Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Good morning, everyone. It's really great to have you here. Thanks for the opportunity to share share with you again today. Um, I have a message. We're continuing the series around encountering Jesus. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Let us know you're here. Put a comment in the chat box. Um, let's, Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, that no matter what happens, God, that you are doing the journey of life with us. Father, I want to pray that your hand will be upon us, that you'll give me all I need to preach this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, there's uh, two types of people in the world. There are those who support the Cronulla Sharks, and there's everybody else. Now, if you're a Cronulla Sharks fan, you will celebrate the 2016 Grand Final where the Cronulla Sharks won their first grand final. You will know about Paul Gallen, who is the um, hero of the Cronulla Sharks team and has been for many years. Now he's a commentator. But he played like over 300 games for the Sharks. You will know about our playmakers, Matt Moylan and Sean Johnson. You'll have, a, you'll have an opinion about Chad Townsend and him moving off from the Sharks this year. And you'll also know about our number one, our number one fan, the Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison. Now, I talked about there are two types of people, those who um, love the Cronulla Sharks, but then there there are the other people in the world, and those who mostly aren't interested (laughs) and couldn't care less about what I just said. Um, They're the other types of people in the world, and that makes total sense if if you're not into the NRL or you're not into the Sharks. We're into a a series entitled Encountering Jesus. And in this series, we've been looking at, at who Jesus is, what he's about. We've been, we've been looking at his life and how we can live a life that, that are pleases him, a life that follows him. Our passage today is from Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, we are see how, that our Jesus has been baptized in water. Then we have the Spirit come upon him like a dove. Then we're told after that we have the voice from heaven where God the Father speaks to his son and says, This is my son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Then we have Jesus going into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And if you had the opportunity to watch last week's message, you would have heard about that. And then after that, straight after that, we're told that in Matthew chapter 4, that Jesus finds out that his cousin John has been put in prison. And he goes from where John, John the Baptist is, and he goes north up to Galilee, and he goes and lives in Galilee. And, and while he's living there, he uses that as, as his base to go about preaching the gospel. And then we are told that Jesus goes about preaching a message. And this is what we're told in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's the message. In Mark's gospel, it says something similar. It says this in Mark 1, right at the beginning of Mark's gospel. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The word gospel is good news, good news of God. Verse 15, the time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Friends, this is Jesus' message. Jesus' message is, I have good news for you and the good news is, 
is that the kingdom of God is near you. If you want to enter this kingdom, all you need to do is put your faith in me as God's king, Jesus, not Nathan, as in Jesus the king, and repent, turn from your ways, and put your faith in him, and you'll have this kingdom. Now, now you would have noticed that Matthew's gospel uses the title Kingdom of Heaven, where Luke and also Mark describe it as the kingdom of God. Um, Both phrases, you can use them interchangeably. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God means the same thing. So let, so let us ask this question. So, so, so what is the kingdom of God? Here's a definition for you. It's simply God's rule over his people. It's where God is king. The kingdom of God is where we have God's rule over his people. You can break the word kingdom into two words, the king and the domain. The king's domain. It's where God is the king over this domain or any king they have a domain, they have a place. Now, most kings today have a boundary that is uh, a physical boundary. Could be the edge, um, could be a sea, or it could be a river, or it could be a mountain range, and we have nations set up around geographical locations. And sometimes we have kings that still reign in, in those lands. But unlike the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God does not have any physical borders like some nation, for the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom right now. It's a kingdom where people can choose, individuals can choose to come under the authority and the lordship of Jesus, the the authority and lordship of God, and choose to be part of his kingdom. We enter his kingdom by putting our trust in him and by turning away from our old way, way of living and choosing to live his way. Now, one day, it will be a physical kingdom. Right now, It's spiritual, as I said, but one day at the return of Jesus and after the judgment and he brings this new heaven and a new earth, it will be a physical kingdom. But right now, it's a spiritual kingdom. Now, when Jesus walked the planet, he talked about being part of this spiritual kingdom and people can enter it through faith and repentance. So if you're not part of the kingdom, God's kingdom, well, where are you now? really important question, and that's what I want to talk about next. I want to talk to you about the the, uh, two domains. Now, the uh, New Living Translation talks about two kingdoms, the the, uh, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light or the kingdom of sun, but kingdom is not the best phrase when, when we're describing the kingdom of darkness. It's better to describe it as the dominion of darkness because there is no king over that darkness. There's a prince but there's no king. Let's look at what Colossians chapter 1 says. The scripture says here, this is Paul writing, he says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul's writing to Christians here, and he says that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son, the kingdom of Jesus. Now we are called, now we know that Jesus is described as the one who gives light, the one who gives life. So what we can simply say is there's, there's, there's a dominion of darkness and there's a dominion of light. And that dominion of light or a kingdom of light is the kingdom of the Son, Jesus. Now, today I've intentionally got this umbrella to represent for you the kingdom of darkness. And I've deliberately come out of the light, here's the light, and I've deliberately gone into the darkness to show you what it's like. 
The kingdom of darkness, for us to, not the kingdom, I should say, the dominion, that's the correct way of saying it, the, the, uh, for us to understand the dominion of darkness, well, we need to go back to the creation account. When our God made the world, he made mankind rulers of the world under him. People were in this beautiful relationship with God, and they were called to have authority and rule over the earth. And then, sometime after things were created, we are told that Satan comes as a servant and tempts God's people to find out by eating a fruit they will get this knowledge, the difference between right and wrong they didn't have. And instead of people saying no to Satan and yes to God, they chose to say yes to Satan. And by doing that, not only brought death on mankind, not only did it bring separation from God, but it also meant that, our, that the authority that we had over the earth, we handed some of that over to Satan. And so now the scripture des- de- describes Satan as an, as an authority on this earth. Look at some of these scriptures. We're talking about the dominion of darkness here. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, The God of this age, that's talking about Satan or the devil. He's described as the God of this age. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is described as the God of this age who has blinded the minds of unbelievers. In John 14, 30, Jesus says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. Another title of Satan. He's described as the prince of this world. Earlier, the God of this age, now prince of this world. Third description. The apostle Paul writing to to the saints in Ephesus. He says, as for you, you were, past tense because they're now Christians, But he's describing what it was like for them before they were in Christ. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in in those who are disobedient. Look at what it says, verse 2, one more time. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and here's another description of Satan, and of the ruler of of the kingdom of the air. That's how he's described. As the ruler of the kingdom of the air, he is the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This Satan is now in, in, in working, excuse me, he's working in the lives of those who have not yet committed their life to Jesus. Verse 3 goes on to say this, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. The Bible describes Satan as the prince of this world, the god of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The scripture also describes him, I need my notes for this, it describes him as, you need to come out of the light and back into the darkness, as the father of lies. It describes Satan as the deceiver, the accuser of Christians. It describes him as like a lion looking for someone to devour. And the one who steals, kills, and destroys. His influence 
is across the earth right now. He is the ruler, the leader of everybody who's part of the, commun- the dominion of darkness. And Satan's a bad dude. He does not want us to be interested in God. He doesn't want us to turn to God. He's doing everything he can to keep us away from God. That is, friends, the dominion of darkness. Now, before I go any further, I want to tell you that Satan hasn't got all authority. Christy, I'm going to ask you to come and get rid of this umbrella for me, if that's all right. Because that's the dominion of darkness dealt with, finished, over. Praise God for that. I want to say to you that, that the kingdom of, um, that Satan has not got all authority. Although he's described as the prince of the air, the God of this age, the spirit who's now at work in, dis- in, in those who are disobedient, he hasn't got all authority. Because God himself has all authority. And he's still ruler over all things. But God allows Satan to have influence on this world. Now you might say to yourself, well, why would God do that? Why would God allow Satan to have influence on this world? Well, God's allowing mankind to reap the consequences of their actions. Man chose to follow Satan rather than God in the garden. And because of that first decision, we are still living the consequences of the, of, the, of the choices that the first people made. So let's now talk about the kingdom of God. We, we've looked at the dominion of darkness. Now let's talk about the kingdom of God. Let's talk about what it, live, what it means for us to live under the king's domain, a spiritual kingdom where God is king. Let's talk about what that looks like. And I want to give you briefly seven things about what it looks like to live in the kingdom. Seven things. Number one, here it is. The kingdom of God, friends, is good news. The kingdom of God is good news. Look what it says here in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. You know, today we're hearing reports about China and Australia's exports to China have been hindered by China and we're, and we're here in the media that, China, that, that, that China's um, military is growing larger and they are trying to in, increase their influence across the earth into the South China Sea and, and further out. And Australia sees that as a threat. So the idea that the kingdom of China or the nation of China would come toward us, we see that as a negative. That's very much unlike the kingdom of God. That is when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near you. It's coming close. It's expanding, friends. This is a good thing. When the kingdom of God comes, it is a, it is a good thing. Because when the kingdom of God comes, it means that people are living in the way that they were designed to live, under the authority of God as their king, living in the way that he wants us to live. That's the first thing. The kingdom of God is good news. The second thing I want to point to about the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God gives you a new way of living, a new way of living. In our life groups, um, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Let me encourage you, if you're not part of a life group, email our office and we will get you in a life group, particularly during this COVID period, this lockdown period, where you haven't got many interactions with people. Um, personal interaction is huge. They are... They are the, the health orders are around shutting people down. My big concern is around people's mental health. 
And how do, people respond, how do people go when they are isolated on their own? Some of those effects can be much worse than the actual COVID effects, the isolation. And we need to be people who are out in, um, talking to people, exercising with people, or on social media, on FaceTime, on Zoom, on the telephone, connecting with people. We need to be doing that. And that's an aside. In our life groups, a great way for you to connect. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, it talks about a, a new way of living where, where, where Jesus sits down with his disciples and he starts out by talking about a posture before God. He says, blessed are, happy are, and Jackie uh, Gibbon, who's our missions pastor, in our, in, she's part of our life group, she talked about a reading that she read and it was like that blessed was like saying congratulations. Congratulations, those who are poor in spirit, those who recognize their lack before God, those who mourn because of their... Be, be, because of their um, sinfulness. And as they come to repentance before God, they're comforted. The first thing Jesus talks about is our posture before him. Then he talks about that we are salt and we are light. And what, God, what, what Jesus has done in our lives, we're not to keep it to ourselves. We're to share it with the world around us. And then he says that he's come not to abolish the law, to fulfill it. And then he talks to his disciples about a whole new way of living a new way of respecting people, a new way of holiness and purity, a much higher way of loving people, about honouring God with our finances, in our fasting, in our prayers. He talks about focusing on eternity, building our life on Jesus' teaching. He talks about living a new way. When we choose to live under with, 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 with God as our King, with Jesus as our King, we live in a way that, that pleases Him. We no longer live for ourselves and what makes us feel good and makes, makes us happy but we rather live in a way that honors him and pleases him. That's the second thing. The first thing was around it is good news. The second thing is that it's the new way of living. Number three, we encounter the power of God. When we, encounter the, when we encounter the kingdom of God, we encounter the power of God. Back to this verse in Matthew chapter 4, we looked at it earlier. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. You know, when we come under God's authority, when we ask Him to be involved in our lives, when we choose to honour Him, He touches us. He brings healing. He brings deliverance. He brings changed mindsets. He sets captives free. I love this scripture in, uh, in uh, the power of God in Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus prays, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then He says, May your kingdom come. In other words, may people choose to come into your kingdom. May people choose to repent and believe and have Jesus as our king. And then he goes on and says, And may your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The things that happen on earth, God, may they happen here. May relationships be, be whole. May bodies be whole. May there be no pain, no sickness, all that stuff. Jesus says, pray for God's will on earth to happen here. When we experience the kingdom of God, number three, we experience the power of God. Number four, the kingdom of God is designed to reproduce. In Matthew chapter 13, we see the parable of the sower. And Jesus describes the last soil, the fourth type of soil like this. He says, but the seed falling on good soil, the fourth type of soil, refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160, 30 times that which was sown. Friends, when you encounter the kingdom, 
we're not just to keep it to ourselves. We're called to see the reproduction of the kingdom in others. We are called to share it. We're called to spread it. We are to see other people encounter what we've encountered. Number five, it lives among the world. In Matthew chapter 13, there are a number of passages where Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is one of them here in the parable of the weeds. In the parable of the weeds, we read about it in Matthew chapter 13. And in the parable of the weeds, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a farmer who sows seed. And as the, as the crop grows up, those who are part of the kingdom as they grow up, weeds also grow up around them. And rather than the, the farmer pulling out the weeds, which could affect the crop, he leaves the weeds to the end. And at harvest time, when everything at the end, that's when the, the crop and the weeds are separated. And the point of that parable is Jesus says that we, as, as people who belong to his kingdom, are to live in the world, not to isolate ourselves from the world, but to live in the world. And then at the end, at the judgment time, we will see the separation and those who are part of his kingdom will live forever with him and those who choose not to be part of his kingdom will, will, will live separated from God forever. If you're a Christian and you're watching this, you're called to be in the world. You're called to hang out with people who are unbelievers. You are called to share this message of the kingdom with others. We're not to keep it to ourselves. We're called to share it with the world. We're called to live among the world. Number six, it's the most valuable thing. Again in Matthew 13, it says the kingdom, of God, the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus says, it's like a treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven is so precious, so precious, that he had a treasure. He found it in the dirt. This is incredible. He buried it again, went and sold everything he had to come back to that treasure because it was so important. He then goes on and he talks about pearls. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. A, a person who was buying and selling pearls, he finds one of such value such ex extreme, this is the best I've ever had. He went and sold everything he had just for that one pearl. And the point here is that Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is more important than anything else you could have on this earth. It is the most valuable thing you could ever experience, ever imagine, ever have. It's, more, it's, it's of more value than anything else in life. That's how important the kingdom of heaven is. Go after it. It's worth it. And the last thing that we see about the kingdom, there's many other things I could talk about, but the last thing for today is this, that it's available to all. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Verse 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, this kingdom is not only for people who live in this country or that country or for that socioeconomic group or that socioeconomic group or those people who look like that or for tall people or short people or people of that language or people of that language. It doesn't matter your tribe or color or wherever you're from. The kingdom of heaven is available for you. 
It's available for everybody who repents and believes the good news. That, that, that Jesus has come, that he is God's king, and that we can put our faith in him. That God is setting up a kingdom that's now spiritual. One day we'll be physical at the return of Jesus. It's now a spiritual kingdom, and we enter that kingdom through faith and repentance. And we have a choice to either accept it and choose to be a part of it, or say, no, not interested, don't want it, thanks. And that's your choice. And the thing about God, he's not going to force you to enter his kingdom. He would love you to. He's offering it to you. He's asking you, please come. Please come and join me in my kingdom. But the choice is yours. So as as you're watching this, I don't know where you're at with, with our God. I don't know if you've entered his kingdom. But right now in this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to choose to be part of his kingdom. To say to Jesus, I want you as my king. And to repent, which simply means recognizing you've done the wrong thing, asking him to forgive you, and then to put your faith in him. If you want to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer. I encourage you to bow your head, close your eyes, and pray this prayer with me. And by praying this prayer, God will hear it. And it's a prayer to become a Christian. It's a prayer to enter his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just pray that prayer, you just become part of God's kingdom. Please tell us that you prayed that prayer. We want to help you in your journey. There's a prayer tab if you're watching online. Click on the prayer tab. And in that prayer tab, say, I prayed the prayer. Will you pray for me? We would love to get in contact with you and help you move forward in your Christian faith. As we come to the end of this message, I want to take you back over these seven things. If you just prayed this prayer, you're now part of this kingdom. But if you prayed this prayer in the past, I want to remind you of these seven things of the kingdom. Number one, This kingdom of heaven is good news. This kingdom advancing is good news. Number two, it's a new way of living. If you're a Christian, you're not called to live like the world lives. You're called to live under his authority with a posture of openness and humility to God, living in a way that pleases him. When you encounter the kingdom, you encounter the power of God. And maybe you need a healing, you need a miracle, you need a change in your body. Ask God, who is the miracle worker, to move powerfully in your body. Number four, it's designed to reproduce. You're not called to hold it to yourself. You're called to share it with others. And a great thing you can do is simply, um, when this message goes on Facebook, and it will, to share this message with people that you know would benefit from it. Share the promo video. If you guys love it and you're happy with it, if we need to rewrite it, we'll do that. But that promo video, you can share that with family and friends online. It's a great way to share the message of the kingdom. Number five, We are called to live among the world, not to isolate ourselves, but to be among the world as Christians. Number six, it's the kingdom of God is the most valuable thing you will find on this planet. More valuable than finding a spouse. More valuable than having children. More valuable than than that car or that house or that thing or that material possession. The kingdom of heaven, it's worth giving up all those things for the sake of having his kingdom. And number seven, It's available to all. 
It's not dependent upon race or social, economic, financial, wealth, or your language group or where you're from or how you've been treated or even what you've done. It's available to every single one of us. All we need to do to come to Jesus in repentance and faith and receive what he has for us. So as we come to this close, I wonder which one of these seven things you go, you know what, that one stood out for me today. As I've been speaking, we've prayed that God, that God would speak to us. Which one of these seven things grabs you? Maybe you need to rethink the kingdom, that it is good news. I need to celebrate it. Maybe you need to live in the world more, be in the world, not of the world, but in the world. Maybe how you see it needs to, needs to shift, that it will be the most valuable thing in our lives. Maybe we need the power of God in our lives. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to think and to pray and reflect on these seven things. Ask God to speak to you and say, God, speak to me today. Which one of these things do you want to highlight? Do you want to give me a new mindset? Maybe you need to pursue God and ask him that one of these things will become a reality in your life. Let's pray. Let's spend 30 seconds in prayer now. Father, we want to pray. We want to thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for your kingdom that is the most valuable thing on this planet. We thank you that it's your kingdom that is good news. We thank you that in your kingdom we have a new way of living. It's in your kingdom that we experience the power of God. It's in your kingdom that's, that it is the kingdom that's to be reproduced, that's to live among the world. It's the kingdom that is available to all. Father, help us to see your kingdom like you want us to see it. Give us a revelation of your truth. Change our mindsets to see this kingdom as what it really is. The most valuable thing on the planet that everybody, that, that is offered to everybody, that everyone really needs. It is a thing they really need to live the life that you want us to live. Father, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus over those who need it. For those who are struggling with their emotional, excuse me, their emotional health. They're struggling with their thinking in this season. Father, I pray that you will meet them here, that they will put their mind on good things and that you would give them your peace. Those who are anxious in this season, God, your kingdom, as Jesus prays, your kingdom will come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and there's no fear in heaven. And so, Father, I pray there's no fear now over the people that are watching this, that you'd put your peace upon us because you are the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I pray that if there's any depression, that it will lift, that people will do things to renew their minds and that, and, and, that, and that you would change the chemical makeup in their body to lift the way they're feeling and the way they're thinking. Father, those who are isolated, they will be deliberate in reaching out. And those who have got capacity to love on others, Lord, they will be deliberate in picking up the telephone in doing Zoom and on social media to connect with those who, who may be isolated. Father, we pray your blessing upon each one who's watching this. Father, we thank you for this time and your word that speaks so clearly about your kingdom. Father, bless us. Help us to live a life that honors you in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for watching today. It's been a privilege to share with you. I'll see you again next week. Um, be blessed. There's going to be a question for you to think about. Thanks for being part of it. Bye. 
Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.